We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 314. Our guest today is working to be the second female to represent Chile at the Olympics. She's originally from Chile, but she has been training in the U.S. for several years, and she has had a major track record of success. She's currently the number one female Chilean show jumper. Her recent highlight was she was a bronze medal finisher at the 2022 South American Games in Paraguay, and she recently represented Chile in the Nations Cup at WEF. I really wanted to talk to her to hear a little bit about the dynamic and the differences and similarities between riding in Chile versus the United States, specifically at WEF. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, Gabby Reuter. Hey, Gabby. Hi. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, of course. Amazing. Well, I would love to hear, how did you first find yourself in the horse world? So I'm from Chile and we used to have a really nice beach house in Chile and we would always pass by this place that was a polo place, but there was a small section with these like this ring that was made out of like old tires, Mm. like yeah, like sides were made out of old tires like to set up and we would stop and we would put the horses that were in uh like beside uh, the ring and stuff and we my mom realized that they were doing classes in that ring Mm. and I always loved horses when I was little I always wanted to pet them always wanted to go on like donkey rides yeah and stuff like that so my mom asked if I could do classes and I was three years old at the time and the woman there that went by Chicoca she was like no she's too young um <laughs> wait a year and then after that year uh she, we, we went back and then I started doing classes there at the beach mm. and then it just kind of like progressed from there amazing that's so cool um when did you know that you wanted to you know, go for it from, you know, riding for fun and, and, you know, enjoying that aspect of it. And then to being, you know, at the top level of the sport, was it always your plan or something that like something specific happened that pushed you in that direction? Okay. So my first memory riding, actually, uh, one of my first memories was that (laughs) I actually didn't want to keep riding because Mm -hmm. I got on the horse and we would do like really fun stuff at the walk. And then one day it was like the day to start trotting and we started trotting and I got really scared. I mean, I was little and I started crying and I was like, I'm never going to go back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm never going to go back. I'm never going to get on a horse again. Like I'll just pet them. And my mom had already paid for her classes the whole summer. So my mom was like, no, you're going to go back. And I was like, no, I do not want to go back. I was, oh like, my gosh. I was like, okay, fine. And then I went kind of forced, <laughs> but that was like the only one time that my parents had to ever force me to get on a horse. And then after that, it was like nonstop. I would, you know, and it just kept on progressing. And I think when I knew that I wanted to be my profession, I have this one memory of watching a show in this club called Pepper Chase Club in Chile. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't even like a big show, but 
I mean, I was doing like classes, like barely jumping really small. And this was like a whole competition going on, like course, blah, blah, blah. And I was sitting there watching and I was like, I want to do that. Like, I want to get there. And then I want to go to the Olympics. And I must have been seven or eight. And then it was just my goal and it's become my goal. And every time I keep progressing, I haven't lost sight of that goal. So, yeah. yeah. So cool. You moved to the U.S. with obviously the intention of continuing your career. Why do you feel like it was important for you to be training in the U.S. instead of Chile? Well, in Chile, you just kind of get stuck at a point. Um, There aren't very many Grand Prix riders. And once you get to that level, you kind of feel stagnant. And what happened to me was that I would go to the South American Games. I would do decently well um, as a team, but you'd always see a big difference with like Brazil, especially. And then one time I had the opportunity to come to Wellington and I showed here and I was like, was second in the nationals in Chile. Like I won the qualifiers for a South American game. Like I thought I was like really good. And then I got here and I showed, I think in like the lows and there were like a hundred people. And I thought it was so hard and so big. And I was like, I don't know, it was like a reality check that you know, it's not that good. So <laughs> then after that, I was like, I need to come here and develop myself as a writer and get better because like, this is the level that I want to be in. And I want to get to the top of the sport. And how am I going to do that if I feel stuck in Chile and that I'm not learning anything anymore? So right. that's why I decided. What would you say are some of the the biggest differences you noticed, um, maybe especially on your when you had your first trip to Florida? For one, I think the level of professionalism with the riders, like here, it's much more about the preparation, the attention to detail, Mm -hmm. just like actually being an athlete and not just like a sport where you go, you don't even have any idea of what the horses are eating, what they're doing, like go get on show, go home. Um, I think here when you get into a program and you start learning everything that it takes to like get to the result is so much more and there's so much more attention to detail I think that's one two I think the one of the biggest things and something that I had to work for I'm still working on but it was a big shock and the reason why I was stuck jumping like the 120s 125s for like two years when I started riding with Chris was the basics there is no real like nobody really gets taught the super super basics like heels down the proper position like what to do with your hands like Mm. it's all kind of you just do it and then you kind of correct but then if it works your style like just works and you go clear like nobody questions sure so then what happens is when you start to jump bigger like those little details are what marks the difference between going clear or having an eight fall 12 floor you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so that was a big thing and I think And once you have those basics and you know how to properly ride and have the correct position and all of that, it's A, so much easier to stay with the horse, B, so much easier to ride because, you know, the horses actually understand what you're asking. And I think the third thing would be just proper flat work. Uh, I think that's something that I, I knew that it was important, but in at least in Chile and South America in general, it's not 
as important or they don't put as much priority as they do here in the States, and especially riding with Chris. Like we don't jump big at home. We focus so much on the flat work and that just translates so much to the shows and any rideability problems you have at home at, at the flat work are probably going to be the same rideability problems that you have when you show. So that was a big thing and learning to properly flat my horses. And that is something that when I go back to Chile, first thing I notice is the position of the riders. Good thing, flat work, that the horses are all over bent. Uh, they're just putting them in draw reins. They don't really like have them working back to front and, you know, the very rough. And then three, just management of the horses and the professionalism. I think those are the biggest things for me that was a little bit of a shock when I came here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you've been training with Chris Kapler for a while now. Tell me a little bit about that process of, you know, taking a step back and, really understanding the basics and the foundation like was that a challenge for you were you like mad that you had to like almost take a step down to move up like what was that whole transition like for you yeah I've been this is my 10th Wellington with Chris this is gonna be a decade (laughs) which is crazy yeah Um, but yeah I mean it was definitely challenging and frustrating and as I'm saying like not that I thought that I was like hot stuff or anything like coming in but I did think I was much better and then it was like just a reality check like Mm -hmm. nope like (laughs) I mean your country's very small like you might have been able to get away with these things there but not here where there's so many more people riding and you just have to be so much more perfect in uh in every single aspect to get a clear round and to be competitive so that was frustrating because I was jumping like 145s you know doing young riders and then I was saying like doing the 120s 125s but I also felt like I needed to do that Mm -hmm. like I understood exactly where he was coming from and I trusted him and I trusted the process and like yeah it was very frustrating but I knew that in the long run it would be better for me so yeah it was frustrating but once I understood and once everything started to click and I started to see like a light on the end of the tunnel, you know, mm-hmm. it was like, wow, okay, this makes sense. And I can actually move up much faster now totally. that I have all the basics covered. Right. Do you remember, you know, going back to that point in your riding, um, what are some exercises or things that he had you work on that you really felt like you were able to gain that foundation? I think I mean the biggest thing were like a bunch of no stirrups lessons, which mm. I still do at least you know, twice a week, I ride in no stirrups, that a lot of two point, a lot of just, I mean, the first thing Chris does when you start riding with him is he, well, he has, he checks your attack, but then like, in regards to position, he makes sure your foot is properly put in the stirrup, mm. like things that you don't even, like, you just put your foot in the stirrup and you think it's yeah. fine, but yeah, there's like a different angle and how is that going to affect and the length of your stirrup, you know, like, such attention to every single part of the ride that then makes such a big difference on your weight shift and all of that. Definitely. I think that was one of the main things, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of flat work lessons and learning. Like I had no idea what like hunches in shoulder Uh in, like, you know, I, first of all, I got in my first lesson with Chris was at 10. I got there at 10. No, you're supposed to be on the horse walking at 10. So, of course, by the time I got it, it was like 10, 15, and everybody was already in the lesson. And I don't think he said anything to me that day. But afterwards, he was like, lesson is at 10. Like, I'm going to start talking at 10. So, oh, funny. Fun. 
And then I obviously I knew how to speak English. I went to an international school and all of that. But writing for me was just like lengthening, shortening, circles, like all of these like movements you could do with the horse. Like, okay, I knew half pass and leg yields, but sure. I had no idea. So then he's like hunches in and I'm just like looking at everyone and being like, what are they doing? Like, yeah, yeah. Asking. And then he's really good. So he starts explaining, like, okay, like right leg back, like the give and take with the left rein. And I'm just like, okay, it kind of seems like everybody's horse's butts are to the inside. So this, mm-hmm. must, you know, all of this going to my head, but I not once went up to him and was like, I have no idea what you're saying. You know, I was like, no, <laughs> we cannot know that I have no idea what this means. Like, I feel so stupid. But yeah, I think that was a big one. Wow. Growing up, one of my dream horse venues was the Kentucky Horse Park, and now I've had the pleasure of taking our clients and our show team to the infamous Alltech Arena, and it's just totally a full circle moment. Well, speaking of Alltech, I have had the pleasure of getting to know the Alltech nutrition team and all the amazing equine supplements that they offer. I didn't know that they offered supplements for a range of animals, but their equine supplements really have special ingredients that really help digestive health, muscle function, joint health, you name it, stronger hooves, and just overall body condition. They are really premium supplements and they have just the ideal blend of ingredients to improve horses' health and performance. So if you have not tried out Alltech Performance Nutrition, you should definitely check it out. If you head over to their website at alltech.com, they will really help you get started based on what your horse's needs are, um, where you kind of normally shop for feed products, and if there's any specialty ingredients that you are looking to incorporate into your horse's regime. So again, that is alltech.com, A-L-L-T-E-C-H, and they have tons of information about how to incorporate more specialty ingredients into your horse's supplements. Yeah, I mean, it must have been such a big learning curve, but I mean, looking back, like major props to you to be able to be thrown into, I mean, in a way, like almost a different version of the sport, like just like totally different and totally, you know, different um, things that were focused on and, and all of that. Like, obviously you understood the majority of it, but certain things that you know that you now identify as your foundation of riding it must have been like scary and nerve-wracking to not know those things at first yeah I mean I wouldn't even say that I knew the majority of the things I think <laughs> like five percent of the stuff that I know right now wow. like, I mean it's incredible that's why like every time I go to Chile like now I, I want to plan some clinics like I want to bring mm-hmm. sport because I feel that unless you leave the country nobody is going to teach you these things and you see it even in the top riders that like when they leave like you you know some some mistakes that you are just could have been fixed with basics Mm -hmm. which is crazy yeah definitely what are some aspects of your background in Chile that you feel like you have continued to carry on in your own program today well the love for the horses I think yeah you know and just I've always wanted to learn so ever since I was little I would read books about horses you know watch movies and documentaries and like so that like hunger to learn it has been exemplified here I think Mm -hmm. but 
I for sure had it before. I think, honestly, I my writing has transformed so much yeah. that I don't know if I would say like there are some big, big things that I still keep. Like I think my eye was always very good mm-hmm. um, and I felt pretty confident about that. Like I didn't have problems finding the distance and I like to go fast so and like to win. And I think that's like the competitive nature has always sure. been there. But in regards to like things that I do, I don't know. I think I, I really had to like break it down to like start back up. Yeah. So maybe more of like your mindset and like the core right. of why you started riding. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. I love that you talked about that Chris had you do two point because I feel like two point is so underrated, but it so is underrated. so good for just like strength balance you it puts your lower leg and heel in the exact position that it should be I I love working with my clients with two point I mean it hurts I know and people don't think people think no stirrups is way harder but I I'll sometimes have my clients do two point and they prefer the no stirrups (laughs) you do like two laps you're like okay chilling but once you like really get into it oh yeah hamstrings your back Mm -hmm. your core like Especially if you're doing like a lesson with transitions, that stuff that yes. destabilizes you. I mean, when I had that really bad fall last year, the Chris, like I came back and he was like, you're riding every day, at least one horse, all on two point. And I was like, what? Wow. I was like, I'm gonna... <laughs> this <is> <laughs> but it completely helped my riding, you know, and me like staying on the horse and being more stable. Mm-hmm. And I do it all the time. Like I went to the yeah. South American games and uh, the first day we were riding light. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to ride in my two point. I just have one horse, you know? And then I just felt everybody staring at me. And I was like, what am I? I'm so confused. And then the team trainer that was there and the chef that keep come up to me and he was like, Gabby, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm working on my two point, which by the way, I have no idea how you said it in Spanish. Um, I guess it, like the closest thing would be like posición de salto, which is like jumping position, but it's yeah. not really. Yeah. And I was like, I'm working on my two point. He's like, and why are you doing that? I was like, because it helps my position. Like, do you see how like low my heels are? Like mm-hmm. my legs in the correct position. They're like, oh, that makes so much sense. I was like, yeah. Wow. Oh, I yeah. love that. Not to mention it is, I feel like it is so much easier on the horse's back versus no stirrup. So kind of like mixing that in, I think is such a great part of really get, you know, kind of like gaining that strength in that position. Yeah, and I think in South America in general, also maybe Europe, but I think more in South America, we ride a lot with the seat, mm-hmm. you know, and not that much with the weight on the heels. So I think that's a good way to like start tra- to transition and putting less weight on your seat and not just, you know, 90% of the weight in your seat. Right. Give me your two cents now that you've kind of seen different viewpoints of position, um, because you do you even in the U.S., you do see some riders who who aren't putting a lot of their weight in their heels. What would you say for you and your riding? What is the importance in, you know, balance and strength and position for you to keep your heels down? The number one thing that I work on, like that I go to the gym for and all that is to work on my balance, because I think that especially in top 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 level will where little tiny tiny milliseconds millicentimeter centimeter whoa millicentimeter <laughs> make the difference yeah it's about the balance so that's the number one thing that I work on constantly and I think that having your weight on your heels which is very hard and the bigger the fences get the more we tend me to like I'm still working on this tend to like grip with the knee and then the leg swings back 
But I mean, for me and my writing, particularly, the more I can keep my leg position in the same place, especially with the sensitive horses I have, the better, because once the leg flings back, I get them with a spur, they move forward, they get flat, like the more I can just be stable, like you see McLean riding, mm -hmm. you know, and his leg doesn't move. Right. And it's incredible. And his position is perfect, but soft. And yeah. I think that's what like, at least I'm striving for. And he can also sit and be strong when he can. But he, his base is on his heels. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I know you've had the goal to become the second woman to represent Chile in the Olympics. And I mean, that would be the first since 1972. Why do you feel like there um, have been, you know, more Chilean women not represented at that level? Well, what would you say is like prohibiting women from more equal representation at the Olympic level? You know, I think this is something that I've talked with people even more and more and I realize and I get to like closer to 30. <laughs> <laughs> I just hit 30 so I get but, it. <laughs> so in Chile in South America in general I think that it's much more of a male-centric sport um, than it is like here in the States it's, there are lots and lots and lots of women and girls showing but in Chile it's not like that and the higher level you go the less there are. That I think is a little bit more in general. And I think that has to do, when we're talking about in general, it has to do with different reasons. One, when women want to have kids, then they have to take time off of the sport. Right. And that hinders them. And sometimes it's hard for them. Again, I, I, I cannot speak for myself as I don't have kids, but this is what I imagine and people that I've spoken with. Then it's hard to get back into it. Then you worry about the kids. And then, you know, you kind of have this like stump. Also, I feel like most people start hitting their peak and like the highest level of the riding and then from there going up by their like mid 30s mm -hmm. and then that's exactly when people think about having a family you know so I think yeah. that kind of sets women back a little bit sure you know this whole male-centric situation puts a lot of pressure like I usually feel that I have to demonstrate two three five times more than the men in the sport in my country to be able to be as represented Right, right. Um, you recently competed in the Nations Cup for Team Chile. What was that experience like for you and how did the team do? I mean, I had a really good time. I'm like, I rode really well. Unfortunately, my horse wasn't jumping her best that day and surprisingly underperformed, which, you know, doesn't happen, but horses can have bad days too. Yeah. But we had a few rails, but I just love representing my country. I think it's, you know, the coolest feeling and just gives it even more purpose and then I speak, like, I get these messages from, like, younger girls and from Chile and all over yeah. all over the world being, like, like, we're so happy, like, you're such an inspiration. And that just, like, it's incredible. So that's something that's really important to me, like, giving more empowerment to girls, women, sports, especially like in show jumping, because we compete against men. And that doesn't happen, in no. any, like, in any other sport. So it's it's weird. And so, I don't know, I feel like we just get that power. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's a totally an honor, the position that you're in, I'm sure. What would you say is something that you are especially passionate about in the industry that you feel people either don't talk a lot about or don't know that much about? I think, I mean, it's getting talked about more and more, but I think all the mental prep that goes into, mm -hmm. you know, again, I don't know if that many people do as much as I do to prepare. And it could be some people could do more, some people could do less, but that's something that I've always struggled with, but I'm starting to make sure that that's my strength is my mental game and 
I mean, half of this is a mental sport and you deal with a lot of frustration, but there's a lot of things that you can do to prepare. I think it's more common and being more acceptable to have a sports psychologist, you know, to meditate, to work on your reactions, to work on your eye, like all these things. And I started working about a year ago, a year and a half or something like that with a really good sports psychologist in Chile. His name is Eugenio. I mean, he's really upped my mental game. And I think that's something that doesn't get talked about enough. Mm -hmm. You know, we see online, Instagram, TikTok, like all these things about, you know, success. But you, I mean, even the top, top, top writers only win 20% of the time. Yeah. You don't see the, like, the behind the scenes, how hard it is, how frustrating, how, you know, sometimes you have such a shitty day and Mm -hmm. you want to cry and that's okay. And then, you know, it's just, I guess that's something that doesn't get talked. Yeah. That statistic to remember is so important to put everything into perspective for sure. Yeah. Well, Gabby, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. I think it's, um, you know, really a really unique route of how you have found success in the industry. And it's so cool to continue to watch your journey. I know you're going to totally smash all the big goals that you have. So I look forward to continuing to watch your journey and I wish you all the best. Thank you so much, Bethany, for having me on. It's been really fun to talk about these things and, you know, remember old times. (laughs) All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.